What's the underlying premise of this statement to receive what God has for us? From Genesis to Revelation, exactly the same. Very simply, observe and do. God has entered into a partnership with you and I. You know another word for partnership is covenant. He has entered into a covenant. It's a partnership or a covenant that says he will do his part if we do our part. Obedience is always the prerequisite to obtaining the promises of God. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's V-L-C-C-A-Z dot org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. You know, I, I, am, I am excited about this morning's message, as I have been this entire series, just talking about and... and uh, and uh, sharing the principles of God's word. Yeah, I just need you to adjust this, brother. It sounds really bad up here. I don't know what it sounds like out there. Hopefully it's not as bad. Uh, do I sound like I'm in a tunnel? Yeah, but Pastor, you and I don't count, okay? <laughs> Pastor Ray and I have hearing uh, issues, and I, all I know is it's sounding something. So... As that song was coming out, I don't know if there's times in your life where I just don't have words. And I just want to shout to God. I just want to, I just want to say, God, all of heaven and earth is vested in the name of Jesus. All the hope and the promise is vested in the name of Jesus. All the strength and the glory is vested in the name of Jesus. And so sometimes I, I'll just, in, in prayer, I, and it sounds, you, you might say, well, it sounds redundant. It sounds, you know, kind of repetitive. And, and Pastor, where do you separate the two? There's sometimes I'll just pray and I'll just say, Jesus. I'll just say, Jesus. The Bible tells me that God knows my heart even when my lips can't speak. And in the name of Jesus, Every knee will bow. So the knee of that problem you're dealing with has to bow when you speak the name of Jesus. The knee of that circumstance that you're going through has to bow at the name of Jesus. The knee of that person, that place, that thing, that situation has to bow. And when I don't know what to say, he does. 
You know what the Bible tells me in Revelation chapter 12? It says that the enemy, the enemy accuses me. Now, I, I don't know, you might have a different place, but he accuses me day and night before God. And he says, I overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. We were talking about this a little bit last week. The word of my testimony is I'm sure. I'm sure. No matter how rough it might get, I'm sure. No matter how difficult it might be, I'm sure. No matter what situation, circumstance, person, place, thing I might face, I'm sure that in Christ I can do all things because he's going to give me the strength. Can somebody say amen today? We're going to be continuing our series on the principles of God's kingdom. And you have your notes in front of you. And what I want to do is we're going to be opening our Bibles. There's going to be a lot of scripture on the screen, but we're going to be opening our Bibles and, and reading some different things. But I want you to look at this statement here. Obedience is our part. Obedience is our part. It doesn't say emotions, feelings. It says obedience. The Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. Which is the essence of obedience. The word faith, the word belief, the word trust... They all come from the same Greek word. And you know what other word is synonymous of faith, belief, and trust? Obedience. When you believe something, you obey it. How many of you came in today and took this chair and before you sat down on this chair, you took it out of its place, and you went like this. Did any of you do that? No. I mean, did you, did you look under it to make sure, oh, this seems sturdy enough? <laughs> or how many just walked in and went like this? You had faith in this chair. You believed this chair wouldn't let you down, so you obeyed the function of this chair. And you set your bad self down. Is that a, is that a, a good illustration? We have a God... That's a lot more than theory, author. We have a God who will never let us down. Why can't we just go set our bad selves in his lap and trust? Now, I know that ain't good English, but it's good preaching. I want to take you to the end of last week and just make a couple statements. We've been talking about the sower and the seed in this series. And we've been talking about how the sower is, is the representation of the church, the pastor, the, the, the minister, but it's also the picture of Jesus going forth in the world, putting out his seed, 
which is his word, which is always good. But his seed goes out and the recipient of his seed or his word is you and I. The problem is, is not the seed or the soil, it's the things that we're producing in our life. The Bible says sometimes we're just on the wayside. We're just kind of hanging out. Okay, God, if this Jesus stuff is real, okay, show me a miracle and I'll believe. And God's just waiting forth and saying, hey, why don't you believe? And I'll show you a miracle. Some of us are hanging out in the, in the stony ground. Everything's just kind of surface deep, kind of a little shallow. And we're saying, okay, God, I'll do this, but if I have a little bit of trouble, I'm out of here. I'll tell you what, I, I, I know people like that. I remember a, a, a story that I shared one time, and it actually happened. I had a guy who came to me and said, Pastor, I'm trying to hear from God about moving. What do you think? Well, it just happened to be the window of my office went out to the street and I saw his truck and U-Haul trailer already packed up. And I was wondering, why are you asking me? You've already made a decision. And so many of us like that. We, we ask God after the fact. Instead of asking God for the, the, the direction, we then go to God for after the consequences of not asking come to play. Or some of us are like those that the seed is thrown on the thorny ground. The cares of the world have become paramount in our life, have become first place in our life. And because of that, we get distracted by everything around it if it doesn't measure up to what we want. How many know we're trying to get God to fit into our life instead of us to fit into the life he gave? Last week, I made a statement, and it was in last week's notes. And, and I, I, I give, you know, I, I, I've had people say, well, Pastor, you give us so much information. That's why I give you notes to take home. Matter of fact, my notes are always up here, and I told, I've told people for years, if you want my copy of the notes when they're done, they're up here, you can take them. My notes always have a bit more than your notes, only because I can only fit so much in that little place of yours and a little uh, bulletin. And so when I, when I can't cover everything, it's in your notes. You can go home and look at it. You can study it yourself. You can go back and listen to the video online again, or you can listen to the podcast. There's all kinds of different ways to go back and grab what you might have missed or what you didn't fully grasp at the time. Can you say amen? So last week I made a statement to say God is our source is to live what we say we believe, just like that chair. I don't have to question that chair. I don't have to uh, figure, uh, 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 test it, thank you. I heard it out there somewhere. I don't have to, I just use it. I just trust it, I just believe it. If God is my source, then I have to believe what he said, and how do I know I believe it? I'm living it. Another statement that I made last week is we'll never grow past our willingness to learn. But listen to this. 
we will never learn more than we are willing to grow. We have to be willing to grow. And a lot of people think, well, if I don't know it, I'm not accountable for it. We all will give account, Romans 12 tells us. We're all going to give account. Another statement that I made last week, and I just want to reiterate a couple of these things because they tie in so much to today. Eric was receiving the offering and seeing us return the tithe unto God as God's word has directed and listen, expected. Because when God gives his all, he expects all in return. He expects our all to be returned to him. Sadly, this is where the problem begins for many. Remember the, the, the stony ground? Remember the thorny ground or the wayside? All the things are distracting us because we haven't decided to make time for Jesus. Is he to some, the price is too high. And there's some that God has given much to because he has found a place in your life that he trusts you. But when God gives you much, he expects much. To whom much is given, much is required. And therefore, we go into the whole premise of last week and the whole foundation of this week is Mark chapter 12, to love him with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. In the passage there in the 33rd verse, to love him with all of our understanding literally means putting together in our mind with practical discernment that we can act it out with our strength. We practice what we know. Am I making any sense today? So let me take you today. And I want you to open your books. The book of books to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. There's much that's going to be on the screen, but right now it's not. Technical adjustment. Is it better? Okay. I think we should go back to megaphones. We talked. It was one of our younger folks that asked what a megaphone was. Proverbs chapter 4. You have your Bibles? Open them up. Proverbs chapter 4. When you're there, say amen. amen. Starting with one, with first verse. Hear, my children. God is talking to you and I. Solomon, who is writing here under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Hear, my children, the instruction of a father. Now, I always love that because God 
doesn't give himself a picture of someone that's just out there or something that's just out there. He said, I'm dead. And give attention. And listen to the next word. I'm reading out the New King James Version. Give attention to no understanding. To no understanding. For I give good doctrine. The word doctrine is just a fancy word that means teaching. Okay? I give good teaching. And what is good teaching? His word. Okay? To many, now, now listen to me, a lot of us think that when the word of God says the law, it's only talking about the Ten Commandments. Do you know what the entire Bible used to be called? The law of God. Used to be called the law of God, the entire Bible. So every bit of the Father's instruction, we can take as what? As direction. As directive, as objective. Okay, so it goes on to say, I give you good teaching. Do not forsake it. Is that what it says in your Bible? Do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, now Solomon is talking about being David's son. When I was my father's son, tender and only one in the sight of my mother, Bathsheba, the dearest thing that, that happened to David and Bathsheba was Solomon, who was the king that God raised up to replace David when David went home. Goes on to say, he also taught me and said to me, let your heart Retain my words, my law, my instruction. Keep my commands. Man, it's getting quiet now. It just started, Mary. I, what am I, what am Let my heart, your heart, retain my words. Keep my commands. And what's the next two words? And live. You mean if I want to live a good life? If I want to live a righteous life? Now listen to me. Just like Adam and Eve when they sinned did not physically die in the Bible. You can still go to church. You don't have to obey God's word. And you still go to church. You don't have to obey God's word and still shout hallelujah and amen and praise the Lord. But if we don't obey God's word, in this life it ends. Now that's tough teaching. But it's God's word. Are we, are we okay? Let's continue. Keep my commands and live. Look what it says here. Get wisdom. Say that with me. Get wisdom. And then I love the next phrase. It says, get understanding. There's a difference, folks. There's a difference between knowledge and understanding. Wisdom and understanding. Do not forsake, or excuse me, do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Once again, the law of God, the entire word of God. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. 
Love her and she will keep you. What is he talking about? He's talking about understanding the application of God's word. You say, well, pastor, how do you know that? Look what it says here in the seventh verse. Wisdom is the principal thing. He said, you got to know. Proverbs chapter 9 says, knowledge guided by understanding is wisdom. Knowledge guided by understanding is wisdom. He said, wisdom's the principal thing. But he said, what do you do with it now? Look what it says. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you get, get understanding. It's not just enough to know. We got to do. And the only way that we know that we know is by what we do. Am I making any sense? Okay. Now, I want to expound a little bit. You know what I love? <laughs> I love growing people. And this is, the, this is the privilege I have every Sunday and every Wednesday in this church is to grow people. And so I want, I want to expound a little bit upon this understanding concept. People, because I know some of you looking at me, I don't get it. <laughs> understanding, knowledge, wisdom, I mean, it's all the same, isn't it? No. What the scripture is saying is you need to know if you're going to grow. And the way you know that you grow is you begin to show. Anybody here ever been pregnant? Just the girls, raise your hand, please. Okay. I know they're saying these days guys are getting pregnant. Those guys used to be girls. Actually, they still are girls. They're just trying to play guys or whatever. Okay. And, 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 when you when you you know that you got something that's beginning to grow because you start to I rest my case. You see, you won't change until you grow. You won't change. You say, Pastor, can you give me a little illustration of that? Yes. How many ever went out and bought a 38 pair of britches when you can still fit in the 36 pair. You went out and bought 38 when you used to be in 36 because you grew. How is that for a perfect illustration? Okay. You grew. You wouldn't have changed your pants or your clothes unless you grew. Now the same thing happens in reverse. If you shrink, you will change. But you gotta, you've got to grow. You've got to increase or decrease before you change. Can somebody say amen? amen. You say, well, Pastor, what, what does that mean, the decrease part? That's right. When you start decreasing in your relationship with Christ, you start changing too. I'll just leave that one set there. The, the scripture is telling us, remember I talked about last week about implying? The scripture is implying lessons of wisdom will not satisfy a person's life. Solomon said, I, I know all this stuff. But he said, the principal thing is to love God and to live with him, live for him, commit my life to him. You might be here and you might believe a religious creed. You might believe there's a God. Well, the Bible says the devils believe this and they tremble. 
To have understanding, you have to properly comprehend all that you have learned. And how do you know you comprehend what you learned? You begin to apply those things that you have learned. Wisdom prescribes the best. Wisdom prescribes the best calculation for your attainment. You can sit down and think it through. But understanding, understanding, listen to me, I'm defining the difference between wisdom and understanding. Understanding will direct the way, give the time, show the place, and open the opportunity to practicing the lessons you learn from the wisdom. Hey, I worked really hard on that. I need more than one amen. That was, this is good stuff. See, wisdom points out the thing, the requisite. Understanding enables the accomplishment and the attainment. Wisdom sees, but understanding does. One discovers while the other possesses. It wasn't until I began to understand the things of God that I began to possess the things of God. In this series, Seeking First God's Kingdom, we clearly see that if we're going to understand, we have to make time for God. We have to realize that God owns everything and concede that he is the source of everything. If we're ever going to see the next part, that he wants to give us everything, freely bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. Yet, most never stop to grasp the reason. Why did Jesus die 2,000 years ago? Because the Bible says from the foundation of the earth, God said, I'm going to make a way where there seemed to be no way. I am going to establish promises to a people who will believe. How do we know we believe? We trust. How do we know we trust? We have faith. How do we know we have faith? We obey. And they all four of those words come from the same Greek word. To believe means to obey. To have faith means to obey. To trust means to obey. Can somebody say amen? amen. Romans chapter 11, I'm going to get to here in a few minutes. But it gives us the understanding why much of the Bible looks like it's written to the Jews. But the Bible says that when Jesus died, all of the scripture pertains to now us because we were grafted in. We were brought in under the covering of faith, the faith of Abraham. By adoption, Abraham became our earthly father. Can somebody say amen? Second <coughs> Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, and it's on the screen. All God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ. All God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. Pastor, what is that saying? Everyone is for you. When Christ died, 
paid the price and rose again, God says, okay, through my son, everything is yours. And then it goes on to say, and through Christ, somebody say that with me, through Christ, who is what? Our amen. That word amen just simply means yes. That's why this morning I was talking about when I pray sometimes, I just, Jesus. Because I know every, every prayer operates in that name. Every promise operates in that name. Every purpose operates in that name. Every pursuit operates in that name. Every provision operates in that name. See, I can stand here and I can say, okay, Jesus, you're my yes and my amen. So I stand up and when I stand up, all of heaven rises up. My amen ascends to God. That's why we can overcome the blood of the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony according to Revelation 12. Even though the enemy accuses us, anybody ever, ever had a memory of what you used to be come flying up in your head this morning? I was in prayer at five o'clock this morning. I, I get up early on Sunday mornings. I get up early every day, but Sunday morning specifically, I get up and I'm in prayer this morning. And I tell you what, I'm just thinking, man, God, this guy that I'm hearing about inside my head, I don't think I should be preaching today. The devil was reminding me all kinds of stuff. And I just had to remind him, it's under the blood, 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 it's under the blood. Is somebody getting this? It's under the blood, it's under the blood, it's under the blood, it's under the blood. You say, Pastor, you sure said that a lot. If you knew my past, you would be saying it a lot too. Don't look at me like that. You got that same past. Somebody say amen. It... I can stand there and overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony and not love my life unto death because it is through Christ that I have life. In 2 Corinthians, I find these three great truths outlined pertaining to God and his his covenant, his promises to you and me, which enables you and I to obtain victory in every single situation in my life. Number one, and it's on the screen, God's promises are from a God who keeps his word. Can I tell you something? If you find it in this word, now, now listen to me. I know some, sometimes we read this and I've had people say, well, pastor, that was written to the Jews for that place and for that time. That's right. I agree. But I have been grafted in and the Bible says everything is, pur- is purposeful for today. So that promise is for me right now. So I can believe God and stand in that promise. Am I making sense? Okay, why? Because God is a God who keeps his word. The second truth that I find here in 2 Corinthians is that these promises are made in and through Christ Jesus. Not you. Not your ability. Not your goodness. Not your righteousness. Titus chapter 3 says, it's not by works of righteousness that I have done, but according to his mercy. Somebody say, thank God for his mercy. Through Christ, I'm righteous. First Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians, yeah, 
uh, uh, 5, 21, there it is. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, He made him that knew no sin to become sin for me, that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The third thing about this promise is right here. They are confirmed by the Holy Spirit. That is why this morning when I'm praying and all this stuff comes, comes to my head, I can say, eh, cast it down under the blood of Jesus. Why? Because I'm made secure by the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm confirmed by the Holy Spirit. I got one amen. Thank you, Loria. That, I, I should have got a whole bunch. I'm, can I go over this side, see if I can get it? Oh, I can see. I, I want more amens. I'm confirmed by the Holy Spirit. Can somebody say Amen. You're going to, Arthur. Listen to this. In his mercy, his sovereignty, God has made us a people for his glory. For his glory. For his glory. Now, this is not in your notes, but I want you to write it down. We talked about the difference between knowledge and understanding. Everything you're going to hear today bases on understanding, not just knowing. Bases on understanding, not just wisdom. Bases on understanding, not just assuming or thinking. Okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 8 says knowledge puffs up. Another word for puffs up is conceits. Makes conceited. How many know people that know the word of God better than you know the word of God? But their life doesn't show they know the word of God? There's somebody that's walking in conceit. Which brings me to the next passage in James chapter 1. says, don't just listen to the word and be deceived. That's scary stuff. Don't just listen to it and think because I know it, it makes me okay. The scripture goes on in the 22nd verse of James chapter 1. Do what it says. Am I making any sense today? 1 Peter chapter 2. It's on the screen. You who trust Jesus, recognize the honor God has given him. You who trust Jesus, recognize the honor God has given him. But, say that with me. I just had a thought come to my mind, and, and I listened to it once years ago, and I embarrassed the daylights out of me, so I won't say it now. But, for those who reject him, say, Pastor, I'm not that person. Okay. The stone the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. He's the stone that makes people stumble and the rock that makes them fall. I put it in yellow. I emphasized it in your text, but I want you to put a circle around it. In your notes, I want you to circle this. I want you to put all kinds of asterisks around. Put something saying this is important stuff. They stumble... Because they do not obey. They know what to do. They know that Jesus has been given a name above every name. 
They know that at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow. They know this, but they don't do this. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. Now, here's the freaky part, folks, and I want to expound upon it just for a moment. So they meet the fate that was planned for them. You mean God planned something bad? No. There is just a, there is just a fate for not doing what is good. God didn't plan wrong for you, but there's a consequence for not doing right. Are you all okay out there? They meet the fate that was planned for them. Literally, God wants to bless us, but because we don't obey, it's not that he doesn't want to, it's that he can't. Because God is obligated to his word as well. But now I'm going to talk to you. I'm talking to victorious life. But you are not like those. You're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're God's very own possession. Now I'm talking to those who know what to do and do what they know. They know what to do and they do what they know. Now look what it says. Now God gives us a responsibility. Go show others the goodness of God. Go show others. For he called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. How do we know? How do we show that we're not in the darkness anymore, we're in the light. We walk different. We talk different. This is one of the things that bothers me so much about the church in today's day and hour. We have become so worldly and the world has become so churchy, you can't tell the difference. We think, well, I, I can't say anything. I might offend them. I can't think, say anything. I might challenge them. Folks, how do you change except you're challenged? Remember those britches? When it's a challenge, it's time to change. He said, you're not in darkness anymore. You've come out of the darkness. I wish I was using the spotlights right now. I'd turn the whole place black. And I'd, just, I'd stand right here in the, in the in there. I'm in the darkness. Now I'm in the light. Can you get the image? Okay, get the image. I'm trying to get the imagery there. I'm, in, I'm, I'm not in the darkness anymore. I'm in the light. And how do we accomplish that? Hebrews tells us. Hebrews tells us. Hebrews chapter 10. There it is. How do we do that? How do we get out of darkness into light? We become... Christ-like. How many know what the word Christ-like means? Christian. The word Christian means Christ-like. You mean if I'm not Christ-like, I'm not Christian? Remember he said, 
obey my word? My words say you can't be one without the other. He said, behold, Jesus is speaking. I have come to fulfill your will. That's what the word do means. I came to fulfill your will, O God. Now look at this. I'm, I'm setting, I'm giving you an understanding of the dichotomy between the Old Testament and the New Testament. How one's fulfilled and one's still being accomplished. Being fulfilled doesn't mean, mean done away. It means what? Fulfilled. He said, I come to fulfill your will. He said, I'm going to come fulfill all the requirements of the Old Testament. Then it goes on to say, and there he takes away the first and he establishes the second. Okay? How does the first get taken away? Is it done away? Nope. It's fulfilled how? In Christ. Okay? And he said, I come to establish the second. By that will. What will is he talking about? The will to do, to obey, to fulfill what God said. It says, by that will, we have been sanctified, set apart out of darkness into light. That's what the word sanctify means. I was in darkness. God sanctified me. Now I'm in light. Some of y'all are going to walk out the door today, this morning, and you're going to walk out of here and say, I got it! <laughs> okay. We have been sanctified. How? Because of you? Because of me? Because of what I did? Or because of what he did? Okay. Look at this. Through the offering of the body of Christ that happens over and over and over and over. That's not what it says? What's it say, Pastor Ben? Once. You mean when Jesus died once that did it? And now all I have to do is be committed to fulfilling God's will in Christ? It's actually easier to think. Now look, let's look at the original promises. We're talking, we're talking a lot about the law. Remember the entire Bible used to be called the law. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 and 2. Look what it says here. If you fully obey. What did Jesus do? Fully obeyed. The Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands. What did Jesus do? Kept all the commands. He fulfilled it. Why? He walked in God. He said, I have no, de no determination at all except to do your will. And look what he says. You command, keep all of his, or carefully keep all of his commands. How can you do that? The Bible says if you keep nine of them and blow it in one, what are you guilty of? All of them. How do you keep all of his commands? By living in Christ. That I am giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations and the world. And look what happens. Once again, Jesus said, I have come to fulfill your will. Because of that, in Christ, I can experience all the blessings. 
Oh, he did it all. I don't have to do anything. Oh, man, praise the Lord. That's called greasy grace. See, grace is God's power at operation in your life. That's what the word of God teaches us. Yes, it's unmerited favor. Yes, it's his hope, his promise, his victory, his undeserved forgiveness. But it's literally defined as his power at operation. So in Christ, we can do that. So he says, you'll experience all these blessings. What's the next three words? Oh, that fell off really quick. What's the next three words? How do we obey the Lord our God? We live for him. Very simple. We live for him. You fall short. He says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3. There's none righteous, no, not one. There is none that do good. He said there's none that seek after me, God. How do we seek after God? Through Christ Jesus. How do we live righteous? Through Christ Jesus. How do we fulfill the law that is very much in effect today? Through Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to, not, not today, but uh, when you get home today, I want you to read uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28. And there's 68 verses. I think it's interesting. The first 14 verses talk about all the blessings that God said, I will make sure these things happen in your life if you'll just obey. But from 15 to 68, he said, these are the curses that will come on your life if you don't obey. How many think we should just obey? What's the underlying premise of this statement to receive what God has for us? From Genesis to Revelation, exactly the same. Very simply, observe and do. Observe and do. God has entered into a partnership with you and I. You know another word for partnership is covenant. He has entered into a covenant. It's a partnership or a covenant that says he will do his part if we do our part. Obedience is always the prerequisite to obtaining the promises of God. It, folks, let me bring it back to this, this, this life, natural, applica application, reality. It's just like marriage. God compares his covenant to us as a covenant between a man and a woman. We keep our vows. We keep our vows. Not because we think about it, but because we commit to it. We get temptations, we get all these uh, distractions but when I sit back and I say, I know I'm married. I know I have forsaken all others. And I commit my relationship to Christ. Therefore, I don't get puffed up in what I know. I get committed in what I do. I love my wife. 
And this is something more perplexing for men than it is for women. That's why the Bible says, husbands, love your wife and make sure the wife respect her husband. You find this in Ephesians 5. Love your wife. And I love the way that the Lord outlined this. He said, just like I love the church and gave myself for it. And I love to put it very simply. Guys, if you'll die for her, she'll live for you. That's what Jesus did for the church. He died for the church. He doesn't tell the wife to love the husband that way. Because God birthed it in the wife to be that nurturer, to be that, that one that, that helps and encourages and lifts and strengthens. How many of you guys out there, you knew, you didn't feel like it, you knew you were a slug. And the wife came up to you and put her arm around you and said, yes, you are, but I love you anyway. And you felt like just sliding away. Some of you women miss a great place to shout amen. This is the picture of that covenant that God has entered in with us. So so let me quickly, the reception of God's promises, the reception of our lives before God are all based on obedience. And we can't obey just what we know. We have to obey what we know understand. See, the only part of the Bible that you will do is the part of the Bible you understand. And it's not that we can't understand, it's because we won't understand. The first thing that we must understand to fully live the Christian life is that God's going to keep his word. We know scripture declares God wants to bless us. But he can only bless us as we keep his word. Deuteronomy chapter 29. I'm going into the next chapter after God lists all the promises, all the blessings of Abraham. Chapter 29, he says, by, in 13th verse, he said, by entering into this covenant today, I'll establish you as my people and confirm you that I am your God. He said, I'll make sure you stand strong. I'll make sure you overcome. If you'll just stay in me and I in you. John 15 says, you will produce fruit. And the thing about that, the fruit you produce will remain. How? What is the caveat? If you remain in him. Through Christ, our obedience confirms our covenant. In Christ, our obedience confirms our covenant. Now, I told you earlier that I was going to talk to you about Romans 11. Because a lot of Christians, a lot of people that are not of Jewish descent, they read the Bible and they think, you know, well, this is just written to a bunch of Jews. It's written to the Jewish people. Jesus came to the Jewish. That's right. And he sent others to the Gentiles. He came to do what? To reconfirm his covenant. Am I making sense today? Some of you looking at me, uh, uh, 
Others are looking at me, huh? How, how many are getting it? Don't, don't raise your hand. I, I, I don't want to see how many are getting it. Okay. I'm trying. I, I'm trying. Romans 11, look at this. But some of these branches from Abraham's tree, some of the people of Israel have been broken off. He's talking about those who have rejected the promise. Rejected the covenant of Abraham. They have been broken off. You mean I can be attached to and broken from? That's what the Bible teaches. I know there's a, there's a, one of the most heretical doctrines out there is called eternal security. Because you pray to prayer, everything's going to be all fine just no matter what you do. That's not what the scripture teaches. Are you okay out there? Look what it says here. They've been broken off. And you Gentiles, if you're not a Jew, look at somebody and say, he's talking about me. And you Gentiles who were branches from a wild olive tree. What does that mean? You're just doing your own thing. You're just kind of shucking and jiving out there. Y'all understand what chucking and driving today means? I'm going back many years, I guess. Jim, Cody, will you take care of that? Okay. Go, go talk to Dan for me, if you would, please. You have been grafted in. See, this is the bringing together of the Jew and Gentile. This is bringing us under the same covenant as Abraham. Who? You have been grafted in. So now you also receive all the blessings God promised to Abraham and his children, sharing in the rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. Can somebody say amen? Every promise God has is mine. He is the God, the yes and amen, and it's all mine. But there's a caveat. It's not in your notes, but I want you to read it. In verse 20, it says that the Jewish were broken off because of disobedience. And you too, who have been grafted in, I'm paraphrasing, will too be removed because of disobedience. Oh, hell is a good distance. People think, well, you know, it's not, it's not talking about eternal. It's exactly what it's talking about. The only ones who can't receive all God has is the ones who won't receive all God has. You see, we want God to confirm to, we, we want God to confirm his promises, his covenant to us. Yet we want also God to conform himself and those promises to our life. But Romans chapter 12 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might confirm 
that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Remember Jesus said, I come to do your will, to fulfill your law. In Romans chapter, or Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. Actually, go ahead, Deuteronomy 29, if you would, uh, Jeff, 14 and 15. Look at this. You're not the only ones whom I'm making this covenant with. He's talking to the Jews and its curses. He said, I'm also making this covenant with people who stand here today and for the future generations who are not standing here today. This is how I understand that, and this is one of the places, many places, that all the promises of God from then are just applicable for now as well. He said, I made this for the generations yet to come. They're all applicable in today's hour and moment. Can somebody say amen? And then God tells us in Galatians chapter 6, It's not a matter of knowing what the law says. It's not a matter of knowing the religious acts of becoming a Jew. He says, talk about becoming a new creation in Christ. Deuteronomy 8, 18. Look at this. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one that gives you the power to be successful. He is the one that gives you the power to be successful. Why does he do that? Why does he do that? No, it's more than love. Why does he do that? What's it say the next line? To fulfill his covenant. To fulfill his covenant. He said, I gave you the power to be successful. Why? I'm fulfilling my covenant. In you, in me, you're going to be blessed. God wants to fulfill what he's done. Can you say amen? Amen. See, the result of God's covenant He blesses obedience. In covenant with God means that we experience all the blessings of God. There was a man by the name of Alan Redpath. Alan Redpath wrote a book uh, years ago, wrote many, many books. He's gone home to be with the Lord since then. Uh, And he wrote this this, uh, book called Blessings Out of Buffetings. And in there, he made a very powerful statement about faith. And the statement very simply is, at conversion, it's on the screen, look at this. At conversion, all God has is ours. The moment you get saved, everything God has is yours. But here's that but word again. But we will only receive as much as through faith in Jesus Christ that relationship that we're walking in with him. We'll only receive as much through faith in Jesus Christ as we reach out and take. Now I'm going to, as I wrap this up, I'm going to expound upon this gift. Second Corinthians, look at it. Look at this. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember grace, it's not just unmerited favor. It's not just undeserving uh, forgiveness. It is his power at operation in us. You'll find grace outlined in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, exceeding abundantly above anything we can ask or think. We are able to do according to his power that works in us. He is able to do according to his power that works in us. That's God's grace at operation in life. Look at this. We know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we can do all things. Through him, I am more than a conqueror. Come on. Come on. 
through him, I am an overcomer in Christ. Through him, nothing can separate me from God's love. Through him. Not in me. Through him. Look at this now. Though he was rich. Read that with me. Though he was rich. Now stop there. Folks, I, I know there's a lot of people want to take this and say, well, he's talking about spiritual richness, which they're correct. But he's also talking about all the tangibilities of life. Physical, mental, emotional, and social. When you look up that word rich, it covers all the capacities that richness could convey. Though he was rich, yet for... Who's he talking to? Us. Yet for your sake, he became what? Poor. Now, when you look up that that word poor, it means... Every capacity that poverty can entail. Financial, physical, mental, emotional, social. You ever been poor in any of those areas? Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you feel poor. Oh, you might have money, but you feel like, I got nothing. That's a mental poverty. You may have nothing. And blame everybody for something. That's called a victim poverty. And the world is inundated with it today. Look at this. Though he was rich in every way. Folks, he's the king. Everything belongs to him. We just taught about that. Everything is his. Yet for your sake, he said, I'm leaving it all. So that by his, whatever you're going through, put in the blank, his poverty. Change that word poverty to whatever you're going through. By his poverty, you could be made, you could be made. Folks, it's not sacrilegious. God has no problem with Christians being rich. He has no problem with you possessing things. He has problem with things possessing you. World of difference, okay? So literally, he said, through my poverty, I paid the price for everything. The Bible says that the curse, cursed is everyone that hung upon the tree. Deuteronomy chapter 14, I believe it is. (coughs) Everyone hangs upon a tree, be cursed. What does that curse entail? This is good. You remember when God cursed everything after the Garden of Eden? After the fall? Cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree. You know what Jesus took? Every bit of that curse. Oh, I got half of you are excited. He took every bit of that curse. And the Bible says he nailed the handwriting of ordinances. All of Deuteronomy 28, 15 through 68, he nailed it to the tree. Can somebody say amen? He took the whole curse. Well, pastor, why do I feel cursed? I don't know. Why do you? You don't have to. Why are things not working out? I don't know. Why aren't they? They don't have to. Like we talked about in Habakkuk last week, 
He said, consider your ways. The irony of it all, we as Christians are reluctant to give all to the one who has already given all. When the truth is, if we'll just give Jesus all we have, he'll give us all we need. Worship team, would you come? There's still a lot more in your notes, so don't get concerned. Just take it home and study. There is a passage that God gave me revelation on many, many, many years ago. It's a passage that I knew for years and I loved for years. But I loved it because I didn't understand it. I knew it, but I didn't understand it. And the revelation was God gave me understanding of Psalm 37, 4. Would you put it on the screen, Jeff? God wants us to have all he desires, but we have to desire all he has. Psalm 37, it's on the screen. Should be on the screen. Is it on the screen, Jeff? Psalm 37, four? Is it there? It's not there. Okay, Psalm 37, four. You know, sometimes in putting all these notes together as I... I, uh, you know, uh, Pastor Jules sits down and she puts it all out there, but then I have to go and proof it. Sometimes I miss. I mean, it's right in front of me, but sometimes I miss. Psalm 37, 4, you've heard me teach it many, many times. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give us the desires of our heart. Now, I, I knew that scripture. I knew that scripture. Folks, I knew that scripture like I know, like I know Jeremiah 29. God wants to prosper you. But I only knew it. I didn't understand it until I started getting in and digging into God's word and saying, God, there's more here because I read the context and I'm thinking, there's a lot more to this, God. What is it? Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And then all of a sudden, God gave me understanding. And the understanding was simply this. When God becomes my delight, his heart will become my desire. We got too many gods on the throne. And God has your name attached to it. My name attached to it. And in that, who's my delight? Me. See, I knew that. Oh, yeah, God. Man. Delight myself in the Lord. He'll give me the desires. Oh, God, I love you. Yes, give me everything I want. But God said, that's not how it works. obedience thing. When God becomes my delight, his heart. Remember Jesus? Anybody remember Jesus? He said, I only have one thing I want to do. 
and that's to do my Father's will. I don't want to do anything else. Can I ask you a question? Look at me, please. Is that what you want? And I'm not going to try to put you on the spot and try to make you feel bad, because folks, I don't always want it. There's times that I want my will be done. Oh, you pitiful preacher. I'm just being transparent. Oh, that happens a whole lot less today than it did when I first got saved. And the closer I get to the Lord, the less it happens. But in all truthfulness, folks, there's time. But he's become my delight. And now there's nothing I want more than his heart. What about you today? You see, you'll never obey what you don't love. You'll never obey. You know why I want to do everything I can do in this world for my wife? Because she's my heart. And she's my heart because he's my heart. And there's nothing he wants to do more than to bless. Luke says it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. He wants nothing less. But we run out here and run out there because we have our delight someplace else. When he becomes my, de my delight, his heart will become my desire. Is he your delight? Pastor, how do I know? It shows by the life you live. That's how you know. And it didn't just show overnight. It had to grow in you. Just like that baby. The woman gets pregnant. She don't show for, I don't know how long it takes. But after a while, it starts showing. When Jesus becomes your delight, it won't show right away, but it'll start to grow. It'll start to grow. And then people around you will say, what happened to you? And you'll say, I got pregnant with Jesus. And it's just now starting to show. I don't know where you've been. I don't know where you're at. But if you want to make Jesus your delight, you got to make time for him. And when you make time for him, you'll start to understand he owns everything. Am I making sense? And as you begin to understand that he owns everything, you'll start to realize that he wants to give you everything. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. 
Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.